Welcome to Contextless, the podcast where it is not okay to publicly thirst over white people. It is March 18th, I believe, I think. What is, I don't know. It is, but uh, time, dates, uh, what does it all mean? And yeah, this is post-daylight savings time. We're springing ahead an hour. We've gained more time. And I don't know how I feel about that. Actually, I do know how I feel about that. Why do we need more time? Like, why would... Like, people... Humans were just given more time to be assholes. And I'm not, I'm not sure if we need that. I'm not sure if we need that. But, hey, the sun stays out longer and we get that vitamin D. So, can't be that bad. But, yeah, I just want to start off this, podca- this podcast episode just by stating that... By addressing the shooting that happened in Atlanta, Georgia this week, where eight people were shot and killed by a white man who reportedly did it because he was having a quote-unquote bad day, which is despicable in and of itself, and what a bullshit excuse to be humanizing the murderer instead of the victims of his ignorance and hatred but yeah uh as you're probably aware uh i believe it was six out of the eight victims were asian women and who were sex workers at a massage parlor in the area and this just speaks to how sex workers aren't valued or seen as respectable people or like even a respectable occupation Specifically, especially when it's women of color. Yeah, it's just the compounding oppressions of race, gender, class, misogyny, and slut-shaming. Or just oppressive sexuality. But it's horrible. And... I stand in solidarity with all my Asian American friends and family, and I am sending you good energy, and you are in my thoughts. In the episode description, we'll be linking uh, a link to donate to the, I believe it's called the Red Canary Song uh, organization, which is a organization that supports Asian American sex workers. So you can make a donation there. And yes, we hope for the better and that these motherfuckers will stop projecting their violence onto themselves. Onto I mean out to in the world other than onto innocent human beings. And with that, uh for this episode there's no guest, it's just me, myself and I. I tried to get Fernando, my guest from last time, but he was busy. He stays busy, if you aren't aware. He's booked and busy all the time. But yeah, I'm just going to do a little quick short episode today and just get it all out because a lot of things have happened in the culture. Like, for example, the Meghan and Marco interview with Oprah happened. We're going to get into that. The gag of it all. Oh, my God. That was theater. That was theater and then we'll also be discussing the grammys which happened on sunday which were actually quite pleasant compared to past 
Grammy Award ceremonies. And then also we'll touch on the Oscar nominations, which came out on Monday. It's been a busy, busy, busy day. I mean, a couple of weeks. Yeah, but before that, I want to introduce a new segment into the podcast where I believe I'll call it Fernando's Finds. Or at least this Fernando, like Fernando's Finds. Um, just like things I've watched in the I've watched or consumed that I feel are good and that I would recommend to you. Okay, starting with. Give me a second. I watched this film. It's called Christine, with an H. Christine. That's the name of the movie. It's from two thousand sixteen. And Rebecca Hall, an actress, she stars as the titular character, Christine, who is a woman in her late 20s in the early 1970s who's a broadcast journalist at a small local station in Florida. I had heard of this movie because I read a review in The New Yorker of Rebecca Hall's directorial debut movie which is called Passing which will come out later in this year and it will be available to watch on Netflix and that is based off of the novel of the same name from the 20th century about two black women who I believe one passes for white and it it touches on the phenomenon that is passing when you're uh, a person of color specifically black and how that worked out so yeah, I looked up Rebecca Black and yeah, I mean Re- Re- Rebecca Black, Rebecca Hall and this movie, I've heard good things about it and so I watched it and I can honestly say it's one of my favorite movies that I've watched in a really long time because not only is it about journalism and like I'm a journalist at times, or at least when I want to be a writer more specifically, and it just touches how not only how like, how hard it was to be a woman in the 70s specifically in media but it just the protagonist like i real and it's based on a true story that's the hard part to believe it to believe but yeah the protagonist uh her name is christine i believe her, her last name is chubbuck in the movie and it's based on a real person and the protagonist she's she's in her late 20s she's never had like a boyfriend she's never She's still, and she's very socially awkward. She wants to make friends, but she's too self-deprecating to actually put herself out there. And even when her coworkers try to like befriend her, she lives at home with her mom after moving back from Baltimore. And it's just a really great character study. I've never seen such a protagonist as that. And she will stay with me forever. So I recommend that. Plus. The soundtrack is amazing. The music's pretty good. Uh, and the old cast, it's predominantly white, like, for the most part. But, like, it's top-notch whites. Like, I'm... F- it's a good white cast. Okay? And then another recommendation I have... Oh, wait. Before I go on to the next recommendation... Well, and part of, the like, with the major conflict of Christine was... Is, anyway, is how... She, Christine is known at her station for reporting on lo- local human interest stories, and they're not necessarily the most 
interesting. They don't get the most ratings at the station, which is struggling to get ratings. And there, her boss is like suggesting to her and all his reporters to get out there and do like gory stories. The ones that if this were the, the ones where the where the saying if it bleeds it leads would be applicable to the ones where it's like you know blood gush crime like the more off putting it is the more people tune in type of thing. And Christine says one of the several conflicts of the movie is her trying to succeed as a broadcast journalist, but also not compromise her own passions, which do not align with that kind of violent reporting. So that's really topical because it was even though the story is based in the 70s, that's still applicable today. And for me personally, that's something I very much identify with where it's this internal conflict of what I should be writing about versus what I actually want to write about. So if you can relate to that, I really recommend it. Like anyone in media or who's interested in media literacy and stuff, definitely check out Christine. It's on Netflix's stream, FYI. And so the next thing I have to recommend is the documentary called named What She Said, The Life of Pauline Kale. Pauline Kael was the longtime film critic at the New Yorker starting out in the early 60s to I believe the 90s and it was a really great study of not only the importance of criticism but of a life revolved around criticism because I I I I personally identify as a critic a cultural critic what have you and I think it really spoke to the power of how criticism not only is an important work in and of itself, but also how it feeds other people's understandings of the media we consume, of the themes we believe in, of our principles, etc. And I really recommend it. It's available to stream on Amazon Prime. One of the quotes from it were from Kale, where she said, you should be weary of the jobs that trap you from success. To me, that makes to, to me that makes sense. It'll make sense if you watch it too. And also, how a critic kind of cares so much about the media that they're consuming that they just want to uplift the standards of it by crit by criticizing it. So if you love movies, of course you're gonna like be critical of the bad ones because you want the best of the best to be seen and there's a really good uh discussion on like good tv i mean good media bad media trash tv trash film but then it's very nuanced and there's great recommendations like i have a list of films i'm gonna watch after it so if you want film works another reason to watch it and probably the reason why i loved it or like one of the reasons why i loved it the narrator of it is Sarah, Sarah, Jessica, fucking Brad, wait, Sarah, Jessica Parker, aka fucking Carrie Bradshaw. So it was a great watch. And yeah, it made me excited to write in the future. And that's a good feeling. But yeah, check that out. It's on Amazon Prime once again. And so yeah, we're going to get into the topics I mentioned earlier. 
I like to go in chrono chronological order, even though time doesn't exist. So yeah, we're gonna start with the Megan and Harry interview that they did with Oprah a few weeks ago. And I I it gave me everything I wanted to. It gave us reason more reason to denounce the British monarchy. It gives us a look into their racist tendencies and policies and just the outdatedness of like royal people anyway. The only royals I support is Royals by Lord. And I don't even like that song. But yeah, the interview really showed how like the British press drove Meghan Markle into to the edge. Because in the interview, if you're not aware, she stated that she had suicidal ideation at some point due to all the disparaging coverage she was getting. Where she, even though she wasn't doing anything, at one point in the interview, she said that. Someone in the family advised her, like, oh, you shouldn't go out anymore, like, so you can stay on the, like, down low and you won't get written about as much in the British press. But then she responded saying, I've only left the the palace two times in the past th three or six months. So it's very, it was as if she was trapped. And that in of itself sounds so familiar if you're familiar with what happened with Princess Diana. Where she herself felt trapped in in a loveless marriage, where she was getting mobbed by the press, until the very moment she died. And yeah, Harry said that one of the things he's proud to be doing with Meghan is to be next to her during the Oprah interview, Oprah interview, but also just at this point in their life, because. He can't imagine what it must have been like for his mother, Princess Diana, to have gone through that same reckoning with the media and the royal family, but without having someone to support her at her side. And that was shade of his daddy, Prince Charles, who can go in hell, bruv. He's trash. And also, there's, at one point, Meghan Markle told Oprah that there was discussions about worrying within the family worrying about how dark the skin tone of their child who was born might be and Oprah responded iconically saying and who was having that who was having that conversation and yet people are saying that it was probably Prince William because you're, they've been doing a lot of like PR management thing, which features black people, and I would not be surprised if it was him. But yeah, it was just really an insight into like an already shitty institution that we already knew were shitty. But then again, I guess we needed the reminder. What? But another thing we did not need a reminder of was Oprah's interviewing skills, because the timelines on Twitter, on my social media anyway, were too surprised. Or like pleasantly surprised by how well Oprah was interviewing them because I'm like have you not been looking up Oprah interviews like what like she's the broadcasting queen even though her show has been off the air for 10 years I believe it was there are some interviews of Oprah's where I I'll rewatch them uh, one that I'll rewatch is the one she did with actresses Goldie Hawn and Susan Sarandon about marriage and how they are kind of were or at least were at that point in time 
were anti-marriage because they didn't need to be married for financial reasons because they're successful and how they don't want to be completed by a man, etc. That was a good one. And also just the interview she did with Whitney Houston uh, was really great and iconic in of itself. And yeah, really great interviews. I definitely recommend going back and watching some of them. They're great viewing material. But yeah, I don't know. Again, and again, another point. Team up. I just think this is hilarious that, like, Megan suffered all that for Harry. Like, they better be in love, you know? Because I'm like, Harry ain't nothing but a ginger with progressingly bad hair. And I'm, I'm just, like, good for her that they're happy and that they escaped and left the royal family. But if they're not in love, they better be in Like, sis, this better be worth all that. But, yeah, I saw a, a, someone made this joke on social media and that made me cackle in real life where it said, all the princes have the appropriate, they all have the amount of hair that they deserve. And that, that to me was funny. If you get it, if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. But, yeah, that just shows how racism is so per persistent in the media but specifically in the UK, which are, like, the original colonizers. So, of course, we shouldn't be surprised that this racism still is embedded in their society today. And, like, one last point about the Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah is that at one point, Meghan was saying how she's so glad that people, but because they have a son who is mixed, uh, with black and white how she's excited that other children who are mixed black or even just people of color will identify with them because I guess hashtag representation matters within the British monarchy and that to me was sus because sis it reminded me of a quote where it said a progressive ruling class... No, wait. A diverse ruling class is not progress. And that's all I'm going to say on that because she was getting sketchy with that. To me personally, I think it was a reach, Your Honor. It was... Or should I say, Your Majesty. Because I don't think representation will save anyone. And that'll be a reoccurring theme, I feel like, in my life because I really, very much believe in it. And then another another thing in the culture that happened were the Grammys which took place on Sunday in person near the Staples Center in Los Angeles California and I think it was a pretty above average Grammy ceremony the awards were handed out or like the winners were pretty like evened out like not just one person won everything and that was a delight in of itself um but yeah some takeaways for me were like Haim performed my girl's Haim if you're not aware I am the fourth Haim sister I just couldn't make it to the performance and yeah they were nominated for album of the year for women in music part three which is one of my top albums of the last year and I still play to this day it's all fire no breaks every single song goes hard they performed their song the steps which gives me 
Fleetwood Mac in the 70s vibes. And I don't think there's a greater compliment than that. They really performed the house down. I'm so happy for them. And another standout moment was Harry Styles performing Watermelon Sugar alongside Blood Orange, who apparently did the arrangement of the music for that performance. And, like, Harry did some light choreography. He was wearing his green boa and, like, a blazer and trousers, but with no shirt, bare chest. But then he took the bow off, and I was like, yes. Am I publicly thirsting over a white man? Oh my god, I'm sorry. I'm bringing my own loss. But yeah, that was a good performance. Another takeaway was for me was the performance of WAP with Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. They, like, did some in-the-bed wrestling moves. There was some vagina clapping, bouncing, thrusting. I don't know how to s- describe it, but it was everything lesbian rights you love to see it even though they're not lesbians but shout out to lesbians who enjoyed that and just everyone who enjoyed that it was a good performance megan won three grammys i believe it was she won best new artist and she won a a grammy alongside beyonce for their savage remix and it was really great to see megan and beyonce on the stage together and beyonce understood like oh this is this is Megan's moment and she really like let Megan spo- speak but then Beyonce got to say something it was really great like H-Town like Houston Legends doing the damn thing you love to see it and yeah and the album of the year went to Taylor Swift and I think it was deserved because Folklore is an album it kind of kind of I don't want to say revolutionized but like it was really a great reflector of the times we're living in because she did make it whilst in quarantine and it's it's mood is very much touches on the moods that we've all been not all of us but some of us can relate to whether they be isolation grief melancholy just yearning for another time in our lives so I think it was well deserved and like one thing about Miss Taylor Swift she will produce and execute an album, not a collection of songs, not a compilation, not not a little like no TikTok music from Taylor Swift, and that's on that. And so I think it was well deserved. And then probably like the most like oh and. The p- most um, contentious part of the night was when Billie Eilish won Record of the Year for her song Everything That I Wanted or Everything That I Ever Wanted. And I personally thought it was deserved. A lot of people felt that like Megan deserved it for her Sour Remix, but I feel like Everything I Ever Wanted, again, like Taylor Swift's folklore, I believe... It just touches on like the themes that we've been going through in our lives as a collective. And the production is really great on it. The writing is amazing. And I think I think it did deserve I'm not mad about her win. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. They could have been the worst winners. And yeah, one last thing about the Grammys is that um Beyonce broke the record for most Grammy wins by any artist ever. The previous holder was 
Alison Krauss, who is a country singer. She had 27, I believe, but Beyonce won 28 at the end of that night. So she beat the record. So, of course, Beehive, we're going to support that. We love that. She did what she had to do. But I'm, I will forever be mad at the Grammys because she would have been beat that record had she not been robbed of the her wins her of her deserved wins for not only her self-titled album back from 2013 which she was which she lost album of the year and then for lemonade once again losing that for album of the year and again i'm i've had it like don't give beyonce these retroactive awards for like work no shade to Megan but it's like the Megan one she deserved but like for Black Parade like what it's a nice song but like she shouldn't be getting a she should also be getting awarded for these like monumental cultural shifting works of art that she created which were her self-titled album and Lemonade so justice for that I don't I'll never forgive the guys for that and then finally, the next bit of information is the Oscar nominations, which were came, which came out on Monday, and history was made because Riz Ahmed and Steven Yeun, Steven Yeun, were I believe that's how you say their names, were nominated or are nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role, and it's the first time two. Asian men were nominated and so that's good. Chloe Zhao was nominated for Best Director I believe and yeah it's one of those instances where people are like yay representation wins like yay but for me I'm just again I'm very staunch on that because for me representation will not save you so to speak like I just, I just don't believe representation, I don't believe, at least in award categories or in award shows, representation doesn't matter if it's, if you're being, if you're seeking out representation or, or rather validation from these award shows, which have historically been exclusive to people who aren't white. Who have been guilty of perpetuating the same narratives with the same non-diverse casts and who have been like actively exclusive against accepting and embracing diversity within film media television or whatever the media may be so for me it's just like you can't you can't to me personally it's contradictory to be like yes representation matters like get that oscar person of color yes get it get it get it but then i'm like sis do you want to be validated by a group of people or by an institution that doesn't care about you to me that's contradictory to myself anyway and and speaking to the whole, another point of, of this representation of this of this discussion of 
representation matter mattering i just like there's never gonna there's not a finite amount of television shows or films or what have you that could have a diverse cast or like story and that it would ever undo all the all the like racist and cliche stereotype bad representations of like marginalized people or it will never match the level of the white media we've been like consuming all throughout history because there's never going to be a there's it's like a false goal you know what i mean or at least in my eyes i say that not to like discourage people who want to tell those stories or whatnot but just to like give them the suggestion of like not doing it out of spite but rather doing it because you want to do it because you believe in quality work because you believe in the story you're trying to tell and which i'm sure uh is worthy of telling but rather just understanding that diversity and inclusion isn't necessarily a goal but rather it should be a mindset that we should all be practicing in all aspects of our lives whether it be in the workplace at, in school at work at home with your family we should all be striving to be diverse and inclusive at all times and anywhere and everywhere that's my two cents and so with that I'm going to go now into the final segment because, again, this is a short episode. Our segment of the podcast that I like to end with is called Pop Off. It's a segment where usually a guest and I will each individually go off on something in the culture that we find to be annoying, that off-puts us, or that we love and might want to, like, shout out or anything like that. But, yeah. So, I'm going to pop off. I'm ready. Okay, I'm popping off on people who have no personality outside of the internet. You know who you are. If you just gapsed and oop. Um, but, yeah, this TikTok went viral where this one woman, she's went, she got a lot of hate for saying something of the same. For saying basically what I just said, which is where I got it from. Where she went on this, like, minute-long rant about how being hot is boring uh like you need to know like do you even read like spell pharaoh please like do you read a book what do you have any hobbies outside of media consumption etc and for me i really identify with that because bruh like being hot is like pretty boring like if that's all you are like what are you doing when you're lying like it's okay to be hot but like do you think do you have like do you know what to say and stuff i don't know to me it's pretty boring i'm i don't know i'm probably prejudiced because i'm not a historically quote-unquote hot person so to speak in the traditional sense but yeah i just really i really agreed with her because i feel like too many people are reliant on the internet specifically on social media to amuse themselves with like other people's content and other people's personalities to the point where people just don't know 
how to be original, how to take risks, how to articulate thoughts, original thoughts, that is. So for me, it spoke to a larger issue, which I feel like missed out, which went over people's heads or some of the people's heads. But yeah, that's my pop off. Like, go read a book. Think about yourself. Don't go to the gym to take selfies. Like, sit in silence and ask yourself, do you like yourself? What am I doing in life? Meditate. Eat a pumpkin. Suck a dick. Get a job. Step your pussy up. STS Madison said. But yeah, that's my pop off for the week. And yeah, with that, uh, it's March, as I just said earlier in the episode. But yeah, spring's a coming. Spring is this weekend. And I hope everyone's springing forward with their best foot forward if they have feet. If you don't have feet, do what you can, and I am with you. But yeah, until next time, this has been Contextless with Fernando Martinez.